Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and Anne Guest. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We're at episode 188. I'm Paul Spain. I'm Nate Dunn. Welcome along, Nate. Always good to have you here. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, uh, how was your weekend? You were uh, you were kind of uh, quite busy there at uh, at Gather. Yeah, so I've explained Gather a lot of times to a lot of different people because uh, most people don't actually know what it was. So Gather start, was started by a young guy called Ludwig. It used to be a thing called Bar Camp. And um, what Gather is pretty much is they set up the facility, they set up a whole lot of sessions, and uh, participants register and then they can uh, come to Gather and talk about whatever they want. Like you could talk about, I don't know, leather jackets and, and, and what makes a good leather jacket and, and and other people can participate. So it's not really a sort of lecture style. Um, so each session, each session is about 40 minutes. It's more of a discussion style and there's lots of things about design and programming and um, social issues and all sorts of, all sorts of cool stuff. So we were the... Quite tech-oriented tech to a yeah, fair a degree. Though, a lot of be, tech stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we were the caterers for it. So we catered 320 meals and did another 400-odd coffees. So... And I had 12 staff on the ground, so it was a pretty full-on stressful day, if I'm honest. So I didn't actually get to see any of the um, the keynotes or anything, but I heard uh, Vaughan, who's the CEO of um, Vend, the uh, point of sale, did an amazing uh, story about the sort of history of Vend and, and his history. And Yeah, well. he did. Yeah, I, I caught that. It was, uh, it was, it was very good. So um, I'm yeah. gutted that I missed it. I wish I'd been there for it, but unfortunately I had other things to do yeah well thoroughly recommend if you do get anyone else out there uh, you get a chance to to hear uh, uh, Vaughan Rousel uh, talk about um, Vend and his story then uh, yeah he's a great communicator and uh, and and it's a great story Uh, and of course uh, yeah one one of the the main founder behind um, yeah what as Nate said was uh, was bar camp uh, Ludwig uh, Wenzik uh, he was on the podcast here, I think, uh, late last year. Um, How was he? And I think we, he was sort of trying to keep it under wraps. He wasn't sure if he was allowed to say too much at that stage. He had just accepted a a, uh, a role with Apple. And um, actually, hold on, I was I do remember that because I remember you were, this discussion. You were here. I was here for it. That's right. And uh, we, yeah, he wasn't sure whether he was allowed to talk about where he was going or what he was doing um, with some of the. You know the confidentiality that uh, Apple you know, tends to wrap up its its staff in, but uh, yeah, he he came back for it, and uh, you know it was uh, no, it was a very 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 good uh, very good event. Random question overall. for you: Have you ever done a session at Gather? No, no. I have, well, actually, this year was the first time I made it, and I almost didn't because I wasn't very well on Friday, oh. and uh, yeah, I just uh, but I did make it along for. Um, uh, or a bit more than half the day. So we caught the caught the afternoon uh, sessions. Oh, cool. So uh, yeah, it was uh, it was well worth it. But it was something I did sort of toss up, but yeah, I didn't end up with uh, enough time to sort of organise uh, too much. So. I, I did a session again this year on social media and hospitality and how it works, and I think I did it two or three years ago, and I had a full room of probably fifty people. It was really good, and it was I did it again this year, and I didn't have as many, probably ten or fifteen. It was actually quite nice doing it to a smaller group. It was more of being able to discuss rather than to tell people what I thought, and I hope it was as interesting as the first time around. I probably won't do another one. I don't 
really have any more interesting topics, if I'm honest. Oh, I'm sure you would always have something interesting They all get taken say, away from it by the podcast, so. Um, all right. So, uh, yeah, so definitely an event. Um, I mean, in previous years, one of the reasons I haven't been is generally by the time I've got around to trying to get a ticket, they've all been sold out. Uh, so if you are interested, just take note, keep a close watch on Twitter or you know, I think you probably sign up on their, their website for uh, updates. Yeah, so their website uh, is uh, so the Gather Twitter, Gather, isn't it? Yeah, GatherGather.co.nz, and their Twitter account is NZGather at yeah. NZGather. So, yeah. and I think tickets this year sold out within the week, or it might have been two weeks. So as soon as you get the email, don't uh, think, "Oh, I'll, I'll get round to registering." Just register straight away because the tickets go really, really quickly. Yep, if, if it's if it's something you're into, and oh, it's great, and always good to catch up with a bunch of people there as well. So um, yeah, it's just just nice in terms of that. Uh, general catch-ups and, and networking and sort of tech and creative communities. Uh, now, in uh, another sort of local uh, thing, not um, I don't know if you could if you could really call it much of an event, maybe a non-event. Uh, Weedle, um, the late great competitor to uh, Trade Me, uh, or that's what they hoped it would be, uh, is uh, is almost no more. It's uh, it's going to be disappearing uh, fairly soon. What do you think about this, Nate? Did oh. they did they ever have a chance of competing with uh, Trade Me? Is there ever room uh, to to have a competitor to a, a company as as big and successful as Trade And I guess we look internationally at eBay that there haven't really been uh, there hasn't been too much success competing with with eBay other than in, in you know local markets like New Zealand where we've got Trade Me. I think he probably picked one of the worst markets to get into uh, for a couple of reasons. First one being he's uh, fame or his sort of the money fa- came, the out founder. Of, came out of uh, Main Freight, which is a massive transportation company. Not to say that people can't convert skills across, but he didn't really have any experience in this sort of space. And he was pretty much following the very similar path that others have taken, things like Seller and Zillion, uh, Lists for Free. Uh, I could go on and on. I think maybe once every... Six months, we get a post on Geekzone about someone thinking that they can take on Trade Me. And it really is a chicken and egg situation where um, in order to get the best price for something, you need eyeballs. And in order to get the eyeballs there, you need people to list. So you really can't attract people unless you've got lots of stuff to sell. And it, it just, I really don't know. If someone said, oh, look, Nate, here's you know, 10 million bucks that Neil Graham comes to me and says, here's $10 million. Um, I want you to, to create something that's going to take on trade me. I would really struggle that there's got to be, I don't know, some sort of niche or you, you've got to do something really, really clever. I reckon a lot of people have tried it. A lot of people have failed. So I have no idea what the magical formula is to take on trade me. If I'm honest, they've been there so long. They're such a big incumbent, not to say that someone couldn't take them out, but it's going to take, yeah, I think very, very, a very smart person. Um, and I think throwing a lot of money at it is probably not the way to go. Um, the other thing that they that was working against him is that he outsourced pretty much his whole development, as I understand. And it was, I know Ben Gracewood, who uh, people know off, he used to be on TV3, wasn't it, or TV1, ages and ages ago. And he's a tech commentator as well. He, um, he pretty much jumped on there and, and fiddling with the URL, was able to change all sorts of things, even... Um, log into one of your auctions, change the price, log back in as himself, and then click buy now and then buy the product at the price that he'd dictated because the security and just the way it was built was just terrible. And yeah, I think it was sort of doomed before it had begun. Um, 
really yeah and we do off. we do see a bit of that in the in the tech world particularly in New Zealand where things are uh, are sometimes just done without the right sort of oversight and and management and and uh, direction, right? Where um, you know, some, of, just some of the essential things of having the right sort of expertise running a uh, you know a technological project often isn't uh, isn't put over the project. And, and I see it in the business world uh, too. A lot of organisations that will jump into into projects that involve technology, uh, but they don't bring on the right sort of techni- technological oversight. Uh, and they often spend huge amounts of money in sort of the wrong direction, uh, and and take what you know maybe a non technical person thinks is a really good approach, but yeah, actually they might you know spend a hundred thousand or or a million in the in the wrong direction. And uh, this seems like one of those sort of uh, cases, certainly with their first round, where they spent a whole lot of money in the wrong direction and and didn't really have a have a great uh, uh, yeah plan around how they were going to get the technology right. And I think. The last thing that really contributed to the sort of demise of Weedle is he's just not very well, as the article said. So, and that's not his fault. Um, but yeah, if his health is not up to it, this is a big battle. And he's just said, "Look, I just I'm wanting to pull out. My health is just not there anymore, and I'm I'm bowing out. I'm going." Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a pity. I mean, uh, you know, there's usually some benefit of there being a bit of competition uh, in a market. Although, uh, when you know, when it comes to auctions, if you're uh, Certainly, if you're selling, uh, then in many ways it's better if there is no competition. If there's only one place that people can come, so that you're getting all the buyers at your uh, at your doorstep. If you're mm. buying, it's nice to be the other way around. Mm. Uh, you know, if there's no no competitor, no one else to bid, then uh, you know, in theory, you might get some uh, you might get some good deals. But I don't think there was there was just enough in terms of uh, people that, that actually ever sold on Weedle to make it uh, particularly worthwhile in, in most cases. I think, um, yeah, pretty disappointing se- selection that, yeah, you might have a look once or twice, but uh, most people probably wouldn't have been uh, very active. Mm. And I, I think the whole, the argument that I see all the time for these competitors popping up is that Kiwis are sick of paying high fees to trade me. And I, I, I'm the first one to complain that the I think the fees on trade me are too high. But it just, you know, seller had it where you could list and sell for free and it was all the extra add-ons that you paid for. Um, but it, it it didn't do as well as Zillion, which wasn't a free one, and that got taken out by Seller. I think actually bought them out. So I, I think people say that we're not happy with the fees, and we're not, but we're not unhappy enough to swap to something else, or we're just too lazy, I don't know. Well, yeah. The reality is that it doesn't it doesn't really work to swap anyway, no. right? So you swap to someone else with no buyers. Uh, I mean, even if they paid you to you know put put your listing up, uh, if you sold your product for a fraction of what you're going to sell it for on the other side, uh, yeah, just that just doesn't work. So never never. Oh well, we'll wait till the next one pops up, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, now um, some good news in well no actually I, well I don't know I don't know how you how you put this um, Lanza Tech which um, uh, New Zealand uh, biotech uh, firm um, their uh, their latest uh, annual result uh, their loss has widened to uh, forty point five million dollars now. Uh, I think they're uh, they're own, owned out of the US now, so uh, in some ways that probably means they're throwing lots of money at uh, at, New, at New Zealand staff and R and D and so on. So uh, we're, we're getting the benefit of that uh, that loss at the moment. Um, bit of an interesting one. Um, now another uh, New Zealand company with an, an international tie up. 
Fusion Electronics. Now, this was bought uh, a few years ago, probably about five years ago, um, by Sir Peter Meir, who, of course, is, uh, is famous for um, Navman, a New Zealand company, which, uh, which he did pretty well uh, sell- selling off uh, some years ago. Well, in a, in a strange twist, he has sold uh, Fusion Electronics, which, which does audio uh, equipment for, um, for uh, cars, uh, but with an increasing uh, focus on, um, on boating and, uh, and those with uh, ra- ra- rather nice uh, boats, shall we say. So some, um, some very nice audio uh, equipment for, uh, for boaties and uh, also for, for camper vans. Uh, and they'd carved out quite a good, uh, quite a good niche for, them, uh, for themselves. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the word is that uh, Fusion Electronics uh, has, been, uh, has been sold to uh, Garmin. Um, who you know we, we know are um, another, another company in that uh, navigation uh, area. So yeah, it's quite uh, quite interesting that he's, 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 strange... he's sold a navigation business and now he's uh, he's sold his next business to a navigation uh, company. Yeah, I can't understand why a navigation company would buy an audio, but oh, who knows? Well, I guess that you know there are some challenges in the in the area of uh, you know nav- navigation at the moment that. You know where where people used to buy lots and lots of um, yeah GPS. Well, yeah, they sold lots, big numbers of GPSs uh, for vehicles and so on. Now that sort of thing tends to tends to be built into the vehicle as well as built into your smartphone. So uh, the 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 sales numbers, I imagine, um, are not looking so good, and the cost of those products has certainly uh, yeah come down in recent years. So. Not uh, not quite what it once was, but uh, companies like Garmin, I guess, probably st- sitting on, st- in many cases, some reasonable profits from over the years that they can invest into other areas and uh, try and reinvent themselves. Hmm. Um, you know, like, like I guess uh, many businesses are having to do in this uh, day and age. Now, uh, wearables. We had a little bit of a chat last week around um, LG's G-Watch and we didn't really get to have much of a chat because it, it sort of arrived halfway through the episode. We didn't have a chance to sort of set up uh, too much on it, but I've been uh, I've been wearing it for uh, uh, had my hands on it for a, for a good few days now. I guess um, well since this time last week. And uh, how do you find it? I, yeah, I've been quite quite enjoying having it on there, um, having it on my wrist. The this the the use cases for it for me at the moment are a little similar to what I've found with um, with with Sam Samsung's um, you know um, Galaxy Gear uh, products, Galaxy Gear Two, and so on. And uh, that it's it's really good having something that's attached to you know to your body in terms of getting little reminders and and pings because often you don't notice when uh, when a phone's in your pocket. Uh, for those things, and uh, particularly if you're in an environment where you want to, you know, stay reasonably quiet, uh, your meetings and bits and pieces like that, I found, uh, yeah, quite useful in terms of little notifications of uh, of phone calls, uh, text messages, because it'll bring it'll bring those right up to the front, so you can see the first chunk of a text message uh, or a uh, or an email. So lots of those notifications I found helpful, uh, and also the notifications around uh, yeah meeting reminders. That's that's quite uh, quite good as well. 
and there's now starting to become a number of uh, or more apps that are geared up uh, for for working with um, Android Wear. So that makes, I guess, will make the picture you know better, better and better as we go forward. Of course, it's only just uh, just a couple of weeks really since um, since these things have launched in the US and uh, you know haven't officially landed here uh, for you know for for customers in in New Zealand yet. But yeah, you know, not not too far off uh, if they've got these in in um, you know in customers' hands. I guess the you know the the question now you know for people that are that are really keen uh, is which product you're going to get and you know when it comes to uh, those that are using Android uh, smartphones then Android Wear you know as I my, you know my pickers will probably win the uh, the win, win the market share away uh, from those other sort of third party products like um, um, yeah the the products from Samsung. That have been, uh, you know, based on their own sort of proprietary uh, software setups and so on. How does this compare to? Because I know I borrowed the Samsung. What was it? The Samsung. Uh, that was the uh, Galaxy Gear yeah. Neo, I think, yeah. or was it the Gear uh, Two? Because this looks f- fatter than the Gear. How yeah, I think. Char- I mean, the, the Gear looks a little bit nicer. Um, a little bit different in terms of the charging. So the uh, I found the Gear charging really annoying. The whole fact you had to clip on the little. On the yep. back, and then if you lost it, because I think you lost. I missed. I did mislay one at one. You stage. misplaced one, and yeah. you, I remember you saying to me, "Make sure you don't lose it." And I was like, "Well, that's a great way to ensure yeah. I lose something." Yeah, just to tell yeah. you not to lose it. Yeah. Um, so the, the the LG sort of sits on a little base. You don't need to clip it on. Cool. Um, but it, uh, it, yeah, I'm I'm still not convinced what the best approach for that is. I think wireless charging is probably wireless bed charging long, so as long, you sleep. Longer term, the way to go. It just charges. It could possibly mess up. I don't know. Whatever. What with your movements and things. Yeah, it and it just charges. So you just jump into bed and it just starts charging because the whole mattress is a big wireless charger. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that'll be one way to go. Um, but yeah, so it, you've got to sit it on this little um, base and. Don't think I've got it here at the moment. Um, probably because it's uh, beside my bed, um, and it doesn't clip on at all. So the advantage of the smaller uh, clip from Samsung is that it does clip and it grips onto the phone. Whereas with this one, uh, you've got to sit the phone just right, and if you bump it, it can actually you know uh, be out of contact. So neither are perfect. Um, I think that the charging bowl. Uh, th- that was was on um, on dis- on display, uh, you know. Recently, uh, is probably the way to go for these types of devices. If uh, you know, if the the uh, you know wireless charging sort of receiver component can be kept really small, that would seem much easier to me. If you can just go with uh, wireless charging, just just you know drop it in a bowl and it'll charge overnight, mm, mm. Uh, than having to clip it on or get it positioned uh, just right. But maybe maybe we'll see some other some other options. Uh, but yeah, certainly a, a reasonably nice device. Um, in terms of the details, we've seen that compare it with um, Samsung's Galaxy uh, Galaxy Live. I think is their uh, uh, Gear Live. Sorry, is their uh, is their new Android Wear uh, based device, uh, which we're still still waiting on here in uh, in New Zealand for Samsung to. Uh, 
um, get one or two of. Uh, so this one's got a lower resolution screen than the, than the, than the Samsung, um, but it does have a bigger battery. How long and, does the battery last? How long have you? Well, I'm tending to charge that? pretty much every day. Okay. So you might be able to get a couple of days out of it. It sort of depends on your usage, but the fact you've got an always on color screen, that is going to certainly burn through some, uh, burn through some juice. Really right? dumb question, but waterproof? Yes, yeah, yeah, both, both, um, both the them. LG and the Samsung are, I think, IP67, so water and dust proof. And, and I guess that's part of the reason why you don't see a, uh, you know, somewhere where you can plug in Just a yeah, uh, yeah. micro USB into. You've got those ports on the, on the back that need to clip into the, or sit on the charger. And it's uh, about the charge. weight of your, like a, a nice, like, tag here or one of those watches. It hasn't got, it's not ridiculously heavy, but it's, no, it doesn't feel real flimsy and, and sort of, Cheap and nasty. It's- no, and I imagine we're going to see some pretty regular software updates for these as well. Uh, I mean, these are Generation 1 uh, as far as Android Wear is concerned. Uh, of course, Samsung, this is, you know, there's really into their second or, you know, two or, or further sort of generation of devices. Uh, and, of course, Apple and Microsoft don't have any runs on the board at all yet. Uh, but, you know, each iteration of these products is getting better and better. So, um, you know, we, we can imagine what's going to come down the down the track another year or two will uh, yeah will be a good little little improvement um, but I don't think these are the sort of killer device that everyone everyone needs uh, but if you want the latest and greatest and sort of get a little bit of a handle on it or you think that you know having those little reminders or you know what have you will be really useful then uh, you know worth looking at um, and of course Samsung's one uh, will also come with that heart rate sensor as we've seen on the other um, uh, the new generation of uh, Galaxy Gear products as well so yeah yeah, I think it would be a hard sell for me to get one of these mainly because I just don't. I haven't worn a watch since probably I was at school, and I just don't really like wearing a watch. If I'm honest, so it'd be a. I'm, I'm sure it fits a market, but I yeah. wouldn't start wearing a watch just to have a smartwatch unless it was some sort of a. Amaz- I don't know. It'd have to the unless laser beams come out of yeah, it. Yes, something amazing would have to happen. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. A little, uh, a little projector, maybe. Projector. You'd have to keep. You'd have to keep it very, very still, right? <laughs> <laughs> Every time you move, the movie moves. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, uh, Microsoft are, uh, have just kicked off their uh, their worldwide uh, partner conference for the year. Uh, this comes around uh, every year. It's um, it's been two or three years since I've I've attended, uh, but they they always do have a number of announcements. So you can certainly expect to see a few of those uh, coming up. Over the next uh, over the next day or two, a uh, few bits and pieces that have sort of uh, come out, um, yeah, partly in, in relation to their uh, uh, worldwide uh, partner conference. Um, now, one of those is we've seen some um, some some leaks, uh, and although this may they may have actually confirmed this at the conference, um, but some screen some sort of screen views of what the next version of Windows will look like uh, with the Start menu returned. Isn't Nate, that, what, what do you? Th- isn't that hilarious? Because I remember when, and I'm not amazing. Windows eight was the first one without the Start menu, wasn't it? That's it. Yeah. And they were like, you know, Start menu's dead. It's the whole touch interface and the swipey swipey, and away we go. And then the revolt on it was so massive that the and I think there were a couple of third party apps went there that allowed you to put the put a, put effectively a put a put a fake start menu yeah. or an equivalent. And now yeah. they've gone. Well, actually, we were wrong, and we're going to put it back. We're really sorry. Yeah. So what they've done because you know the the majority of people using Windows yeah you know, today are still using it on PCs and laptops, and 
you know, they they have really upset some of those users who didn't like the change to this sort of new style. Um, personally, I got used to it reasonably quickly. Uh, you know, I don't, don't find it's a, a major issue that your start screen takes up the whole screen. Uh, but yeah, the the um, you know this concept of returning a start screen, so it, it's very very familiar for people. Uh, I think makes some sense, and there's a few other things that uh, you know that they've been they've been working along in that front. Um, and what we're also hearing um, is your sort of quick launch icons, your icons across the bottom of your uh, your window screen, um, that those may become sort of more dynamic, a little bit like the um, the Metro Live tiles you see in the in the start screen. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that uh, that comes together. But yeah, I think for those who are who are still using a keyboard and mouse and just operating in a very you know traditional way and not touch screen, uh, you know, not using a tablet then uh, making that experience more familiar uh, probably doesn't do, do Microsoft too much, um, too much harm at all, I wouldn't think. Uh, because, yeah, there seem to be this sort of set of, set of people that are sort of, yeah, even though, as I say, it's, a, it's not a, probably a, a huge deal, that uh, start menu, but uh, you know, once you spend a little bit of time and just get, get used to it not being there and being this, uh, the full-screen uh, Metro sort of launcher, um, but making that just really easy for everyone and, and very similar to what it was in Windows 7 um, will probably make the next version of Windows quite a hit uh, because Windows 7 itself has done very, very well. Uh, Windows 8 and 8.1, um, certainly not you know, nowhere near the popularity of Windows 7. So uh, this, this next uh, version, which they're calling uh, you know, Codename Threshold, um, and more than likely will be yeah, called ended up being called uh, Windows Nine is is what most people are predicting. Um, that could well have that sort of popularity uh, level that uh, that Windows Seven has had. So, wouldn't be a bad thing for uh, for Microsoft. In fact, I, I read one thing wondering whether uh, this uh, threshold version of Windows will have the same popularity of Office three six five, which for Microsoft has just gone absolutely nuts they've um you know they've um um had some pretty incredible uh sales apparently there in terms of their uh, their growth around office 365 so if they can get uh windows uh back on track with that then um no doubt that will um please their uh their shareholders um yeah anything uh, standing out f- f- for you uh Nate in terms of what uh, Microsoft are doing anything you think that they they must absolutely do to um uh you know as they they work to uh you know reinvent themselves under their uh, under the new uh CEO I know and this is not just because of the new CEO but there is a big push towards integrating Azure especially from a development point of view which is their all their cloud-based servers and cloud offerings um that's all now being baked directly into um, Visual Studio and a couple of other things. So I know that the cloud is a big focus for them. It would be interesting to see. We're a big Amazon shop, so we tend to use EC2 for all our servers. So Amazon's um, version of what Microsoft does, Azure, is called EC2. Um, yeah, interesting to see what happens in the space before we... And, and as a software development company, you, you, if you're using Microsoft uh, development languages and so on, um, you know how enticing is it to look at Microsoft's uh, offerings because they've tried to, you know, they've said, look, we'll we'll make sure on price we're always going to be, uh, you know, uh, competitive with with the Amazon. 
Um, but the, the, I guess the, the, the key challenges that Amazon were there uh, were there first, right? It's also been nice. I haven't seen a price increase across any of the three because Google's also got their offering as well. It's all been a race to the bottom. It just keeps coming down, doesn't which it? Which is fantastic. A race to the bottom when I'm talk- talking about not features, but price. Mm. So, mm. you know, when one drops their price, the other ones respond, which is fantastic as a consumer. Um, yeah, a big watch the space, I suppose. Mm. Um, now, uh, Microsoft's Windows Phone, which is is, is known for uh, not having won a huge uh, you know market share uh, globally, but one thing apparently they did uh, an- announce uh, at their their uh, WPC uh, event is that their uh, Lumia 520 has uh, sold over uh, 12 million uh, units. Well, it's the Nokia Lumia 520, which, of course, is, is now uh, uh, Nokia um, handsets, now part of Microsoft. Um, that's a pretty big, big number as far as handsets are concerned. There are not that many handsets uh, that have hit those sorts of numbers globally, right? Mm, yeah. um, I think the... Uh, you know some of the numbers we've heard around. You know, obviously top phones from from Samsung and Apple um, certainly you know shoot well past that uh, that figure. And on a revenue perspective, would be off the charts in comparison because these are pretty cheap handsets. Um, but it does show that there's uh, there's certainly an interest in uh, you know in those products. So fascinating to see whether Microsoft can uh, can pick it up. Apparently, this they're. Uh, they're saying that uh, their their year on year growth around uh, Windows Phone uh, is that they're they're doing um, they're growing their market share quicker than than uh, any of the other uh, mobile mobile platforms, um, and they've seen a um, um, uh, yeah pretty big increase. I think they're talking about uh, 90 uh, 90%. Um, Increase in their uh, their share of the um, the device market for uh, uh, for Microsoft increased over the last uh, last year. So yeah, interesting uh, interesting times for them. Um, and there's what was their uh, other numbers was that they're up to uh, two hundred and seventy thousand apps in their uh, in their Windows Store now, um, a Windows Phone Store. Um, so that's actually growing quite quickly now, and there are ten markets now where uh, they have ten or more percent uh, market share. And strangely, apparently they're the number two um, smartphone platform in fourteen markets around the world. Oh wow! So um, yeah, kind of interesting. I guess those are, those are markets where uh, maybe iPhone is. Uh, you know, it was sort of maybe priced out of the market. So interesting. Uh, now, the uh, the other thing we wanted to chat about was um, telecom and Vodafone. So we got a little announcement from uh, from Telecom today, saying that uh, they will be uh, taking uh, to mobile users the spectrum that they they've uh, just recently uh, been in the process of acquiring. Um, this is the spectrum that was used for analog uh, TV broadcasts previously, and of course, all that's got switched off as uh, everything's moved to uh, to Freeview, uh, and uh, that's seven it's seven hundred megahertz uh, spectrum, and that's now available for mobile networks. So uh, yeah, so we got that info through from uh, Telecom, and they were sort of uh, you know touting how um, how they've they've uh, they've been trialing. 
um, their, their 4G LTE um, broadband over that 700 megahertz uh, spectrum. And that uh, late August is when uh, they'll actually make that uh, officially available uh, to the public, uh, kicking off in, in the Waikato area where they have been uh, actually running those, uh, those trials. So, yeah, interesting that they would be uh, first cab off the rank to make such an announcement. Uh, but as soon as that was made, um, when we asked uh, Vodafone what they were up to, they said, well, actually... We are about to launch right now and, in fact, said that they have and that there will be an official announcement uh, uh, hitting the media on uh, on Wednesday with confirmations of their launch. So, uh, Nate, what do we hear? They've got, uh, I think, three sites live in, uh, in Papakura now that Vodafone have uh, immediately, so not as many as what uh, Telecom are, uh, are launching with, but, uh, but those are switched on immediately. Mm. And um, so, those of you who don't know about the, because I'm not an amazing expert with the spectrum, those, the, um, just doing some reading up about 700. So, it says 700 is a perfect uh, frequency to run mobile at because it's, it can cover a bigger area and it can also get through the walls of commercial buildings a lot better. So, it really is a sort of magic bullet when it comes to, to, to spectrum. So, that's where you want to be sitting. So, um, isn't it funny to see telecom launch in Papakura and then Vodafone's oh no, no, no we've sorry telecom launches and then Vodafone goes oh yeah we've got a couple somewhere in Papakura they're there well I think it, you know it's often the way with the two of them they they're spending a lot of money to uh you know to to compete and you know in this case there was you know the government had their uh their their spectrum op- option for that uh, uh that 700 megahertz range and uh you know telecom uh, Vodafone and Two Degrees were, were all offered, um, you know, their um, respective sort of, um, you know, blocks. And uh, as it happened, uh, Two Degrees decided to take two slices uh, rather than three. Uh, Vodafone and, and Telecom got, got the three that they were allocated and then bid it out uh, for that remaining slice that, uh, that Two Degrees had, had turned down. Uh, and uh, telecom paid some um, some some pretty big money for their uh, for that extra slice, but what it means is it puts them in a really strong uh, strong position because you know they they now have more than uh, more than anyone else. Um, although I think in in the New Zealand market, to be fair, we don't have maybe as many players as competing as in some markets. Uh, so in, in some areas, there might be even less uh, you know spectrum available. Uh, you know, per carrier, um, you know, than than what we see, uh, what we what we see in New Zealand. Um, well, hopefully, if once they start finish or get well into the seven hundred megahertz rollout, that they'll start upping everyone's caps. Because I'm on one of the highest caps of the Vodafone because I was just using far too much data because four G is so much quicker. Especially prepay, it would be nice if four G prepay had some decent plans that didn't cost the earth. Yeah, I mean, of course, I think we we all want uh, want more, and uh, you know, probably what we'll see is is what we've seen over the over the last few years is that those things will sort of slowly push up rather than it all happening in uh, uh, one hit. Now, um, yeah, the number that uh, that telecom paid for their uh, their extra slice of that seven hundred uh, megahertz spectrum, uh, eighty three million was the uh, was the figure. So that's what they're paying to uh, to you know to have a, a bigger slice of the spectrum 
than than what the uh, what the others have. So now I got that. Um, yeah. So the 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 amount that's um, that's available. So uh, Vodafone bought uh, two blocks of uh, fifteen megahertz. Uh, two degrees bought two blocks of uh, ten megahertz. So uh, yeah. And uh, obviously, um, telecom have, have have come in um, with more than that. So um, they've got uh, yeah forty megahertz uh, all up. So yeah, it'll it will be interesting just to see how important this is to telecom in the future. I think there's still a general feeling out there um, that telecom have better coverage and sort of outside of the um yes, the, uh, cities. The, the the cities and that was certainly you know something that they were known for with their previous network but it's very interesting that uh you know they've managed to actually translate that same feeling across with their new network that people still feel the same way so uh whether that comes down to their cell site positioning or you know exactly what are the things that make that up it does still seem to be uh, a common belief and uh something i'm sure uh you know vodafone would have liked to be able to do something about but uh yeah them um telecom having that extra spectrum will uh, will certainly you know help them and particularly in rural areas where uh you know th- th- this uh, 700 megahertz spectrum will help them get that uh, that broader coverage and supposedly quicker speeds too from what i was just reading about 700 the the, the more bands you've got, I don't understand this technology at all. But the more bands you've got, the more data you can push over them. Well, yeah, with um, with with LTE or four G, as it's also known, um, you know, you get that benefit of being able to use model, the multiple uh, different ranges. So they've got uh, eighteen hundred, and there's twenty six hundred, uh, seven hundred. So yeah, there's the potential to to uh, you know to basically be pushing data across all of these different bands at once back to your device and, and vice versa. Um, so you you put all that together and you've got uh, you know quite a big capacity for moving data around. So yeah, we we should see some uh, some pretty good speeds. I mean, we already get very good speeds on uh, on four G here in New Zealand anyway. Uh, now, uh, one other topic, just wanted to have a, um, I guess, a little bit more of a chat around. We were, we were talking about charging the uh, uh, the smart watches, and you know, talked about the smart bowl, which uh, um, w- was shown off at uh, at, at Computex uh, by Intel. Was showing off a, a non-working sample, but powered by Proxy, New Zealand company. Uh, we, you know, we're showing off the real thing. They're you know very much innovating. They're at the the, the front of the space. Uh, as participants in the wireless um, charging consortium, and um, in the last few days, I've been been trying out a little bit of uh, wireless power a little bit more. Uh, so I've uh, on my um, Galaxy S five, I've got a wireless charging back on that, um, which means that now works with the um, uh, wireless wireless charger. Whereas previously, uh, the you know the Samsung phones. Um, yeah, you can't use them unless, for wireless charging unless you've got that back on there. Uh, and we're starting to see new phones, LG's G3, which um, we'll be talking in depth about next week. Um, be spending a bit of time with that um, this week, and so we'll, we'll give you the, the hands-on on on, um, on their new uh, super phone. 
Um, that's got wireless charging built in. We've got the um, uh, the Nexus uh, Five, and I think the Nexus Four also from from Google are made by LG. Uh, those Android handsets have got the uh, the wireless charging built in. Of course, the Lumia Nine uh, Nine Twenty. Nate, what are you using at the moment? Because you mentioned to me that uh, that you've been using wireless charging um, a little bit from from time to time. Although um, you've been using an app the last uh, last few nights that um, means you need your phone plugged. In. But tell me about it. your wireless charging experience. So I bought from Cougar. So we've actually got a Sydney office, which is very helpful for getting stuff sent. So from C- uh, it's Cougar in Australia, I think, is a big uh, electronic retailer. I bought a aftermarket um, wireless charger, and the actual S4, which I'm using, has got two little pins. So you can actually put the put the battery in, you put the wireless charger on top of that. There's these two pins that line up with two um, sockets on the back, and then you close the cover, and it's a little bit fatter. But that's pretty. It's it's pretty good. You then put it on the wireless charger, and away you go. The one thing I have noticed with the wireless charging, and I don't know if it's just that one or it's wireless charging in general, is it is slow. So it is the sort of thing. Put it on the charger before you fall asleep. It's not the if you know your battery's going slow and you're about to go out with uh, for dinner. You better to plug in. You get a much better charger, especially if it's a, an official Samsung um, charger. They seem to charge really really quickly. Um, the other thing I really didn't like about this wireless is it's got to be lined up exactly with the charging base. If it's not lined up perfectly, it's not. It, it doesn't actually charge. And I've actually stopped using it recently because I've found an app called Sleep Cycle, which I've started using, which um, intends to wake you up instead of waking you up when you're in that really deep sleep. It wakes you mm. up when you're in the light sleep. I've been using it actually probably for about two weeks, and I think it's probably the best thing I've ever found, especially I'm not a morning person, so anything I can do to to alleviate the uh, the rough warnings. Um, yeah, it's and fantastic. And you think it really works? Yeah, it's about two bucks, I think, or three bucks. And it um, you have to place it face down and next to you, and it tracks as you move and all, all sorts of stuff. You don't have to wear something. And it's actually, re- from what I, I did quite a bit of reading about it, it's, it was quite popular on the iPhone, then it got ported across. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of people that were uh, raving about it on the on the iPhone, but I've works, never actually got around to trying it. Works really well. That's my highly recommend. Yep, okay. I don't think Cougar is the retailer you're thinking of, um, but it does begin with K. I can't think of what it and is. And I can't, I can't remember its its name either, but it's, um, yeah, it's an Australian online uh, retailer, right? Yeah, 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 that's it. Yep, yep. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I've had various experiences with the wireless charging. I think the concept is good. Uh, it's still early days and we're going to see some better iterations of that technology. Still, your phone can get a little bit warm and so on. Uh, it tends to add a little bit of thickness uh, to the handsets. Um, as I say, there's a bunch of handsets now that have it. You can get add-ons even for, uh, I think, even for the iPhone um, that, that do it. A little bit more complicated with the iPhone being an all-in-one device, whereas with something like the uh, the, the Galaxy uh, S4 or S5, you remove the back and you put a uh, wireless uh, charging back on it, and it's actually got the connections already on the phone uh, for that. In fact, I think the connections were probably even there on the the S3, but certainly on the S4 and s S five, uh, there's you know official um, uh, covers for the for the phone from uh, uh, from Samsung for that. Um, I think Sony also have one on their um, their Xperia um, X two, which we were having a little play around with um, earlier. And um, now the X two is a really nice handset, and one of the reasons why I think on that on a handset like that. Um, 
that that wireless charging would be good, and also the the um, the S five is that these are waterproof handsets, and having wireless charging on a waterproof handset makes a lot of sense because otherwise you're um, pulling the 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 sort of the bung I'll call it the bung out that uh, um, fills where your um, micro USB um, charger goes. You've got to basically open that up to charge your phone if you're plugging it in. And it seems from the feedback I've got and um, also from my own uh, personal um, experience that the, um, the, the little uh, filler at the bottom of the, um, the S5 where you plug in your charger, um, that sort of um, piece, is, it's reasonably easy for that to break off after using your phone for a while. Uh, and once that happens, your phone is no longer waterproof. So um, now that I've got this wireless charger on the uh, on the S five, I think um, I think uh, and I and I've got now got a phone with with that doesn't have that piece broken off. Uh, I think that is probably an almost perfect solution in terms of a waterproof, tough uh, phone that should um, should go the distance. So that's my thoughts. Um, but on the um, the Sony Xperia uh, Z two, have you got it there, Nate? Yep. Um, just, just having a look on um, as you got it facing you on the left hand side. There's a couple of connectors uh, there, and those are so you can actually um, slide the phone straight into a magnetic uh, charging dock. So for that sort of bedside charging, you don't need to uh, open up the side of the phone. Uh, to plug in your charger, so I think that's an ideal um, alternative to uh, you know the the um, Qi wireless charging uh, option is having uh, a dock that lets you uh, just slide in like that without having to um, um, open up your phone to get in and um, and charge it. Nate, what do you think about that? Is that um, is that good or is it annoying because it doesn't use the the wireless charging standard and you've got to shell out extra money for that dock? No, I think it's quite a cool dock. It's, you know, the whole magnet thing, and you're talking about how it, you're not going to end up with the um, <clears throat> the bottom clapping off or you're losing it. I think mm. it is annoying to have an extra charger, but I suppose it also in some ways locks you into the whole Sony ecosystem, doesn't it? Mm. When you're looking at another phone, you're like, well, I've already got all the charging stuff, a bit like the lightning port on the... Um, well, whether that will come across to the next version, though, we you know, yeah, you, you, you don't know. But um, I think it's, it's I mean, certainly good that we've got some, we've got some options and you know it's it's i mean it's the usual thing where there's a bit of a bit of competition uh in the space it's um you know it's putting some pressure on but i like that lg uh you know are, are making uh, wireless charging now you know quite a common feature uh nokia uh 2 then their new uh lumia 930 uh which we expect to arrive in new zealand uh in august uh that is uh, that that's got wireless charging um just as standard as well so um, yeah, roll on the wireless charging, I say, and um, and and let's get it in all our smart uh, devices. And there are also even uh, little, um, I think AA or uh, AAA batteries um, that uh, Power by Proxy have shown off that can have wireless charging in them as well. So you can have you know your little batteries for all your other devices that you drop in a bowl and have them uh, wirelessly charged. Which I think it's a, a great concept. So um, may that uh, you know roll through and just become uh, a standard thing sooner rather than later. I know back in early June, uh, Starbucks were uh, had announced that they were rolling out wireless charging, so you, you could walk into a Starbucks and 
sit and have your coffee and just put your phone on the table and the whole table was pretty much a wireless charger as I understood. Well, um, I think that highlighted some of the issues we have around wireless charging and that there is the wireless power consortium with the Qi standard, uh, but there are one or two other uh, standards as well. And I think um, Starbucks wireless um, charging was using the competing uh, technology, if I remember correctly, one uh, called PowerMat. Um, so yeah, there was there was um, there was some news around that um, about a, about a month ago, um, early, early June, that they were going to start rolling this stuff out and. Um, yeah, the crazy thing about it is that um, they're they're rolling out PowerMat, which I think, if I'm correct, is not compatible with the Qi wireless charging that is in just about every uh, smartphone today. There, I think there are probably some technical advantages of uh, of the PowerMat uh, technology, but um, yeah, on the on the on the downside. Um, yeah, I th- well, I think on the on the flip side, we'll probably see the Qi standard um, move along, and uh, you know, Im- improve to the point where uh, um, where PowerMat um, um, yeah capabilities don't sort of out- outshine it. So uh, yeah, yeah. And to update that, it wasn't the the manufacturer or the sorry the suppliers think of Australia. It's Kogan. That's the one, yeah. Yep. Kogan, K-O-G-A-N is where I found the wireless, and I can't remember the brand, but yeah, that's where I got mine. It was cheap yeah. too, like maybe $25 or $30 for the wireless charging mat and the, the bit for your phone, and that's the main reason I got it, because it was cheap. Mm, mm, so, mm. so uh, yeah, so it'll, it'll, be, um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with these standards. I mean, the, the guys from the Wireless Power Consortium sort of tout that theirs is the biggest... Uh, consortium in terms of uh, wireless charging and you know at the moment it seems that most of the devices are that way inclined but uh, yeah it's um, another one of those interesting battles when uh, another product come you know comes out and it's competing and yeah I I don't know what has convinced uh, Starbucks that they should uh, go with a whole lot of uh, you know power mat uh, charging in their things, unless that's being entirely paid for um, by Duracell, because I think it's uh, Duracell's um, um, technology. So, yeah, we, we, we'll wait and see what happens with that one. Um, yeah. All right, well, I think that sort of wraps us up for this week. So, uh, hey, thank you, Nate, for, uh, for joining that's us right. again. Always, always good to have your, always uh, fun to be here. your opinion. Uh, now, we can, uh, we can track you down online, of course. Um, I'm just Nate on Twitter at NATE, or you can find my blog under my domain, which is Nate Dunn, N-A-T-E-D-U-N-N dot com. Excellent. You can track me, Paul Spain, online now at Paul Spain on Twitter. Um, I'm on most of the other uh, social networks and so on as well. And uh, you can find uh, NZ Tech Podcast at nztechpodcast.com. For a full lineup of the other uh, podcasts from Global Voice Media, uh, visit globalvoicemedia.com. And from there, you'll uh, you'll find the the hilarities from... uh, um, our uh, our political podcast that uh, we, we've added to the lineup uh, recently, which uh, has Jeremy Elwood, uh, Chris Brain, and uh, Pat Brittenden. Um, so that one's worth listening in 
to the uh, slightly correct political show, uh, the New Zealand Entertainment Podcast, uh, which is now uh, rolling through with new episodes uh, every every fortnight. Uh, so that's another one worth uh, worth listening out for, and of course the New Zealand Business Podcast. So uh, yeah, feel free to uh, jump in and uh, and have a listen to those ones. Uh, but until next time, uh, enjoy your week, and uh, yeah, we will uh, catch up with you again uh, this time next week. All right, see ya. <laughs>